0: Hi, I'm Sess Busby. Welcome to First Act, the podcast series brought to you by Koshy's Business Builders, where we chat to inspiring innovators across the startup and small business ecosystem. If you're looking for small business inspiration, you can find us at www.koshysbusinessbuilders.com.au or join us on Facebook. Hi, everybody. Today, I'm chatting with Dean Foley. Dean is the founder of Bariyamal, Australia's first Indigenous accelerator program. He launched Bariyamal in 2016 and since then he's helped Indigenous entrepreneurs to facilitate their dreams. He's also one of the honorees on our inaugural Koshi's Business Builders Power List. Welcome, Dean.
1: So, Dean, if we could just go back to the beginning, you're a young Indigenous boy growing up in rural Australia. I don't imagine entrepreneurship was. Um, Kind of your realm or the first choice for you, so can we get a bit of insight into your first career?
2: yeah, yeah, like um communities uh, you know most people are just getting by paycheck for a paycheck, so um and just you know working just to have a roof over the head so um, entrepreneurship and only business was definitely not something um, that came up on conversation. it was all just about getting a job and you know, have enough money to pay the bills and, and then hopefully, you know, buy a house and stream dream and, and, uh, yeah, that way, that stream. So, um, yeah, never thought about entrepreneurship. After finishing, uh, high school, I wasn't too sure what to do, but always wanted to serve in the Defense Force, Defense Force, like my grandfather did. He fought, uh, in numerous locations in World War Two from, um, uh, nearby and KNG to, um, one of the, being one of the rights of book, So, um, it was just inspirational, you know, uh, what he did and the other soldiers did, um, defend Australia and obviously human rights. And, um, yeah, so I ended up applying to the Air Force and, and got in.
1: And how do you think that the, that early grounding in the Air Force has benefited you later? Was it like what? What?
2: What were your mm. takeaways, I guess? Uh a heap of um takeaways. Like I'd um, you know, recommend anybody, uh, especially young ones to join you know, the defence if they don't know what they want to do, just to give um just out of the shell, you know, to the world. Um, get a bit more discipline. Oh. And then also, you know, just find out what you don't like. So um Air Force was an invaluable experience, learn a lot. Um, obviously discipline, um, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, during that time uh, a friend in the Air Force dropped a book on my desk, um, about entrepreneurship and I read that and that was kind of a light bulb moment and yeah. That's that's when I you know, I knew um, even though you know, I was grateful for my experience and and time in the defence force I knew, you know, it was for me. Um, didn't really like the now hierarchy structure, <laughs>
1: so
2: uh, yeah, I would uh, leave, uh, leave the Air Force and, and go learn about to run and businesses. Yes,
1: yeah. so then where, so the book lands on your desk and you think um, there's a different way for me, I, I want to embark on a, a career change, when did mm-hmm. the idea to start um, your own accelerator come to you? Like, when did you realize, actually, it's not just me that has this entrepreneurial spirit. There's a whole bunch mm. of my community that I like that and I can do something about it.
2: Yeah, it didn't come to me until like, like two years or so after leaving the Central. So I was doing um, a bunch of random jobs after I left again just uh, to pay the bills like um, working in retail, um, hospitality, and even um, at university and and um, during that time and you know just learning about businesses, um, just trying to connect with people, learn as much as I can from mentors and stuff. Mm. Um, I found out about um, opportunities, um, for Indigenous people to potentially get uh, support and um, like i never heard of that before. Um, never had much to do to with the government to be honest. Um, you know, growing up in rural rural town and and then, um, so, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. When I found out more, I found it a bit frustrating. Like, um, me personally, like they receive a lot of money and I didn't find them to be too helpful. Huh. Um, and I was a bit frustrated. I was just like, you know, what, whatever, I'm just gonna you know, keep doing what I'm doing. Um, i not worried about these guys. And I got invited to the Straight Health. Startup weekend, um, designed by iLab at the University of Queensland, and went to that. It was pretty cool. Like never been to a startup weekend before, and had a great experience. Um, and there were a few other Indigenous participants, and at the end of it, I said that would was a good idea to hold the, the first um, Indigenous startup weekend you know, to promote Indigenous entrepreneurship and um, also, you know, get everybody together and hopefully do some cool stuff.
1: Mm. And that was how long ago now? Uh,
2: that was um, mid, about mid two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Time flies.
1: <laughs> so, how has um, your accelerator program evolved from that initial kind of, you know, let's all get together and and mm. start something to what it is today? Yes,
2: yeah, so. After going to that startup weekend a couple months later, um, uh, with no experience, you know, put together the, the world's first indigenous Spout-out weekend, and and it's just a really good vibe. And from the indigenous people that went there, and like, and, and talking to others, like I knew they needed it to do be more because was a lot of money, yeah, you know, floating around. But from well, my experience, you know, it was very hard to get support. Like I'm not too sure mm. what they were doing with the money. Um, and I knew they needed to be more. So I reached out to all the accelerator programs, or well, a lot of them, around Australia and one of them got back to me swingshot. They saw the value in um mm-hmm. helping me and ended up running uh, the world's first indigenous accelerator program ended two thousand sixteen, a couple of months after the stamina weekend, with zero dollars. Wow. Um uh, and yeah, and then a couple of months later, um Clayton used a a law firm help me incorporate our yammel and get charity status. So I guess from that early stages of doing everything with zero dollars, it was quite, you know, challenging. We had to be, um, very resourceful. Um, so I was lucky enough to uh, get some really good support early on. And then from there, um, you know, just in building up the programs and, um, attraction and track record, um, basically zero dollars, uh, while competing against organizations are are kind of bankrolled um, by, you know, taxpayer money. So it's, it's, it's challenging, but um, at the end of last year, we um, put an application for a launch to run the first indigenous accelerator program in Victoria and the charity Barry Amor, um, which I helped run, is, is, uh, was able to secure that, like against a good big competition. Um, we were facing. So we were very humbled um, that we were chosen and had the trust um, to do it um, and show people how it's
1: done. (laughs) I reckon you have. Um, You're already helping loads of uh, Indigenous entrepreneurs get their first step into that startup ecosystem. Um, What do you say to people? Because there's there's a lot of kind of detractors of the Indigenous community. I don't think the Indigenous community um, equates with innovation, but kind of in my opinion, the Indigenous community has been innovating for thousands of years. <laughs> They've never <laughs> survived all this time without being able to be agile and adapt, you know. So, what do you say to those kind of naysayers and how do we?
2: More recognition for the great amount of talent that is out there. Yeah, no, I guess to put it into context, I guess um, you could takeaways I like from the defence force, sort of things like, you know, propaganda. So, um, you know, I never really clicked me until so I left the air force, and um, you know, it's up to realise. Um, yeah, there is, you know, a bit of propaganda out there, um, towards Indigenous people, which is why there's, I guess, a lot of, um, negative stereotypes. Um, but in saying that, you know, there's a lot of Indigenous people that, you know, weren't paid, um, wages and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they did, to, um, and obviously had the, the land taken away, so they had no assets, um, they weren't being paid, they had no money. Um, so, you know, there's like, you know, forced into poverty. Um, and only got recognized about, what, like 30, 35, 40 years ago. So in the constitution, the Australian constitution. So, yeah. um, you know, from, from there to, um, you know, try and build wealth, even though there's no intergenerational wealth, to uh, you know, get loans to the bank. Um, most people live in paycheck to paycheck and,
0: you know, try and
2: ba- break that poverty cycle. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be massive challenges, um, throughout the, the system, but, um, you know, keeping that in mind, that, that context, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the young ones now have the opportunity to actually go to school, um, take the job opportunities and that kind of stuff so they can build wealth. So I think there's, you know, moving forward, there's, um, there's a lot more opportunities, uh, for the young Indigenous youth coming up to you know show the world that they can also um, build successful businesses too and you know mm-hmm. indigenous people were really innovative. Um, but you know it's hard to when everything gets taken away and they're left in probably to you know, back those stereotypes at the night. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so um, what do you say when someone first approaches you and they go, no, how are you know, hey Dean, I've got this great idea. What's the first bit
2: of advice that you give them? Um I try to I try to be a um, bit of a devil's advocate. Um, I guess, you know, most people um, have got ideas, but it's just it's just getting that early, you know, delegation around the idea, the viability around the business model. Um but yeah I just tell them to just you know, if it's ideation stage just right there, talk to potential customers or community and and get a bit more um, uh, validation around that idea to see if it's worth
1: pursuing. Are you finding that uh, a particular type of entrepreneur that approaches you to be part of the accelerator um, program, like is it, are there lots of people in social enterprise or you know, wanting to do something for the environment or is it more kind of specific to products? Or is there just no real mm. kind of um, no general sort of mandate at all like coming from all walks of, of life and all areas of entrepreneurship? Yeah, pretty much the latter. So
2: yeah. very um diverse range of ideas and and backgrounds. So like I'm sure there's um, you know, a lot of art strengths, like, you know, indigenous people are getting um some of them are getting their land back now and they're converting a lot of uh the assets into like agriculture, you know, um which has obviously been a strong point for them, art and that kind of stuff. Um but we had our interviews with the Victoria's indigenous accelerator um a couple of days ago and yeah. Yeah, we just had um, a wide range. Like we had one guy who's um, building a um, dental um, app for your phone to recognize and, and diagnose your teeth with you an AI. Another guy's channel, you know, connect uh, pet owners um, with veterinarians and, and provide support, you know, for another app. So, um, yeah, quite, quite a range, like, um, obviously, I think Best Nations people are, are very, um, most of them are very uh, community-oriented, so they do, mm. even though um, they might have commercial businesses, they still have that uh, social, social outlook yeah. in, in their business model. And um, the perfect example is um, that I always refer to, um, even though there's a of um, examples here, is everyone um, uh over in America, like in Canada, you know, when uh, the Native fur coats and pelts were taking off, and um, a lot of those Native American communities, they um, you know, made made m- uh, money. And uh, but you never heard of um, a Native American uh, individual who became a multi-millionaire. Like most of that that money yes. was put back in the community to so, you know buy weapons and food and and that kind of stuff. And you know, yeah. I can relate. That would be Indigenous entrepreneurs, actually, even though um, a lot of them that we saw a couple of days ago were commercial, they still had that social
1: uh,
2: outlook to given back to their community.
1: Yeah. Do you think uh, any kind of great um, startup does have some element of purpose and wanting to do some kind of social good?
2: Um, Yeah, I think so. I think. Um, you know, in the past it wasn't like that like venture capital was <laughs> very yeah. hardcore, right? Yeah. So, um, but now people are starting to realize that it's not sustainable mm. so I think more people are thinking like indigenous people about sustainability um, so yeah, I think like their businesses, should definitely be like that.
1: Yeah, what about for you? Like you said initially, that book landed on your desk and you were like, oh, entrepreneurship have you got a business in you? <laughs> Is there some kind of idea percolating away that one day we might see you apart from obviously a fantastic mm. accelerator program. Is there some idea that's close to your heart that might like come to fruition one day?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, um, so when I said that, I wasn't expecting to do anything, um, in the community. I just wanted to learn how to run and grow businesses. Yeah. And, um,
1: and now you've got the- all this expertise. Why not put it to some, some, Use for
2: yourself as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. With the whole Barry Ommel and um and the stuff I've done over the last couple of years it just came out of frustration with the government to be honest. I saw a lot of money, didn't know what was going. It wasn't going into communities or helping clothes have spated out. So I ended up so just just doing it out of frustration. Um for something mm-hmm. had to be done and uh but yeah, from there, yeah, we've got a few things uh, in the pipeline, um, so hopefully you know, we can watch the space? <laughs> yeah, yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, watch the space. Yeah, not all about... Definitely, yeah, loving what I'm doing at Barry what helping the charity, you know, build yeah. it to what it is, and ensure the um, other ones, you know, are uh, as how it's done. But yeah, we've got a few projects in line, so keep
1: yeah. an eye out. So, um. Let's go back to what you just said a minute ago about the, the disparity. that is all this money getting poured into the ecosystem, and yet the indigenous entrepreneurs aren't really seeing to benefit from it. What do you think needs to be done to kind of redress that and, and make
2: mm. you
1: know indigenous entrepreneurship more of the focus and make sure the money gets to where it needs to go?
2: Yeah, like it's um, it's definitely not a. You know, there's no would bullet solution as um, very you know, complex and um, different things need to happen for, you know, to make it actually happen. But um, I think policies can have a, a major impact. I think, in my opinion, there's been a lot of token, tokenism um, policies that haven't uh, really delivered any results to in the Indigenous community or the, the wider Australian community, um, you know, they talk about billions of dollars in expense. Um then down the community it's like you don't know where that money's going. Um there's no accountability. We had a survey, uh we've got um like a little members group at Barry and over nine hundred members now and we had fifty um indigenous entrepreneurs um, do a survey and you know a lot of the um the feedback that we've got, um, which is basically around, you know, access to capital, like, and, you know, despite all this money's supposedly gone in, um, indigenous entrepreneurs are like, you know, starving, they can't get access to capital, um, you know, they can't go to a bank, they haven't got a house or, or, or assets to, to get a loan, and, and then, yeah, they can't access any of this money that supposedly the government has, so, it's just, yeah, access to cap- capital, obviously, you know, education supports up there too. Um, and then there's a bit of, uh, criticism, the feedback results from, yeah, existing government policies. Uh, for example, hopefully I don't get in too much trouble, but, um, <laughs> like the Indigenous procurement policy. Um, like what I'm, like it's nothing new. So suppose, like the government likes to promote it, like, you know, was given, a billion to, billion to Indigenous businesses, but uh, previously it came out of, you know, it's had a lot of criticism because mm. um, like some of these ind- quote-unquote Indigenous businesses that are winning the big contracts, mm. um, actually um, not really Indigenous businesses. You know, they just have a black face, um, but behind it's a non-Indigenous business. It's called Black yeah. And what I'm saying is nothing new, I think, um, I can't remember which news news, um, reporter did a story on it, but, yeah, there's a few stories on it. And basically, um, you know, the non-Indigenous companies use the the benefit, describes, you know, an Indigenous person, and, um, you know, they go into business, but most of that money goes to a non-Indigenous partner. Yeah,
1: it's like diversity and inclusion programs. There's a lot of lip service that a real amount of movement, I think, in terms of yeah, diversity and inclusion.
2: Yeah, massively. And um, yeah, I don't see the point of it. Like, I think policies can have a massive positive impact. Uh, tokens and policies, they don't do anything for anybody. Like, mm-hmm. If you're going to have that, then just have it for all strength. You don't have a uh, social procurement policy um, that benefits if you manage this business that and partner with a, a blackface, face, like, you yeah. know, that should be, um, everybody should be entitled to go through the contracts. Like, um, if it's going to be social employment policy, then it has to be an Indigenous business, a real Indigenous business, and then they have to be accountable. They have to deliver outcomes because the whole point of the Indigenous development policy is to, to increase, you know, um, Indigenous employment and help those gap. So if it's not doing that, then just shut it down. Like, you need to be more accountability and all these, opening some policies.
1: Yeah. So what is the biggest kind of uh gap that you're seeing within the communities? Is it health related? Is it skills gaps? What what what's the best area that we should be trying to throw some money at to actually really solve the problem or you know, upskill mm. people or whatever. What's your opinion?
2: Uh, yeah. again, like I don't
1: think it was um
2: well, I think there's a lot of band-aid solutions at the moment, uh, instead of getting to the root of the problem. And, and for me personally, growing up with my Aboriginal community in Dundar, and also working with other communities, I've been doing a bit of work, um, with the Wurundjeri mob down in Melbourne, who's a traditional owner here. And, you know, a lot of it, I see is, um, uh, access, you know, to capital, like what the poverty within, you know, Indigenous communities I work with and, and from, um, you no, know, it's, just, it's really, obviously poverty affects health, um, mental illness and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, if we can break that poverty cycle, um, and have, you know, better access to the capital to, um, you know, uh, achieve our self-determination aspirations, I think, you know, that'll benefit all France. Like all this money's gone into these Bangbangs. Uh, policies and and policies, but they aren't doing anything. It's a real problem. The problem is <laughs> to me, poverty. Like, you know, they've been stripped of their land, um, stripped of wages, uh, um, there's no intergenerational loss. Let's, let's build the loss with the Indigenous communities, and that'll benefit everybody because the uh, Indigenous businesses, uh, employ a lot of non-Indigenous businesses too, and um, Indigenous entrepreneurs are very, like you know, community oriented, and that's where I think, you know, businesses in the future need to be because, you know, hardcore uh, capitalism is not, as say, uh, it's not really sustainable for the future.
0: You're absolutely right, Dean. I mean, I think Community First is a credo we should all probably adopt. Anyway, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. So thanks again for chatting, Dean. And that's it for First Act. Don't forget, if you're looking for small business inspiration and advice, head to koshisbusinessbuilders.com.au.